DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. This is now Bishop Guy Gaucher. Anything that he's written is well worth reading. He is just a very, very fine uh, scholar of Therese. The bishop goes on, We have here an inexhaustible source of study. She whom we customarily call St. Therese of the Child Jesus, and in who in this way is made to symbolize only childhood, was able to say at the moment of her death that the foundation of her whole piety was nourished on the text of Isaiah chapter 53 concerning the suffering servant. When we mutilate her name, we mutilate her message, to say nothing of her entire life. And so when you give her the name that she wanted and keep in that name Teresa the Child Jesus of the Holy Face and recognize that for her that's the predominant thing, then our whole conception of Therese changes. And the suffering that's a thread through everything that we're speaking about here is understood. Wow. Mutilate her name. I won't be doing that anymore. <laughs> yes, that's said rather strongly, isn't it? Wow, it really is, now, but it's so I, true. I, we don't have to over, you know, exaggerate that either. To speak of Therese of the Child Jesus captures a, a real deep truth about who she is, and I don't think we need always to feel literally obliged to give the entirety of the name. But to recognize that there is another piece in the name, and it is a foundational, even the central piece, helps us keep Therese in perspective. The childlike element, without the suffering, would risk remaining sentimental. When you put the two together, as they were so profoundly put together in Therese, anything sentimental disappears. Not I don't mean the, the warmth, uh, the spontaneity, the delight, the joy, all of that which goes with a childlike spirit, you know, and Jesus says that um, those to be enter the kingdom, we need to be like children. All of that remains, but it is rooted in um, a very profoundly lived uh, way of the cross, you know, that, that, that gives it depth and maturity. If we rely on the testimony of Mother Agnes, that's her sister Pauline, given at the beatification process, we have good reason to call her Sister Therese of the Holy Face. Mother Agnes stated, Devotion to the Holy Face was the servant of God's, he was not yet um, venerable at this point, was the servant of God's special attraction, devotion to the Holy Face. As tender as was her devotion to the child Jesus, it cannot be compared to her devotion to the Holy Face. So all of that underlies what we've just seen here in this letter to Celine. She continues, Celine, I cannot tell you all I would like. My soul is powerless. Ah, if only I could. But no, this is not in my power. Why be sad? Do you not always think what I am thinking? I can't share everything with you the way I would, I would wish to. 
but don't let that be a sadness. I know that you already know everything in my heart. When they were younger girls together, there was a time when they would go up in the, call it the attic room of uh, their home at Les Buissonnets, and together they would look out the window. The, the home was on a, a raised kind of a hill, and so there was a broad panorama before them of the city and then off into the distance. And they would sit there for hours just speaking about spiritual things. And that was probably the moment when they were closest together. Therese compares those conversations to that conversation that Augustine has with his mother. Remember at Ostia before their death when time just disappears and they even touch eternity in some way as they speak. They were so deeply uh, united in this at that time. She says, I know that you know everything I'm thinking. Thus, all I do not tell you, you divine, you understand. Jesus makes you feel it in your heart. Has he not, moreover, set up his abode there to console himself for the crimes of sinners? Yes, it is there in the intimate retreat of the soul that he instructs us together, and one day he will show us the day which will no longer have any setting. Happy feast! How sweet it will be one day for your Therese to wish it to you in heaven. As I said, that perspective is, is always there in Therese. This next is a brief selection from a description of Therese written by her novice mistress, who was a Sister Marie of the Angels. And uh, Therese at this point is 20 years old. And it's kind of classic. You'll find it quoted often in uh, writing on Therese. Sister Therese of the Child Jesus, 20 years old, novice and jewel of the Carmel, its dear Benjamin, office of painting, so that's what Therese is doing at this time. Uh, she would decorate stoles, or they had her do different things in the chapel and so on. Therese never had any training in painting. At one point, her sister Celine, who was uh, the most gifted in this of, of all the sisters, her, Pauline also painted and wrote poetry and did some plays and things. But Celine was the best of them as a painter. And the first images of Therese really all come from paintings of Celine that Celine did of her. At one point, she did a painting of Our Lady, and she brought it to their father to see. And it's really pretty remarkable for somebody that age and with the limited training that she'd had. And he was so impressed by it that he proposed to Celine that she go to Paris and take lessons from an accomplished artist in painting. And uh, Celine said no to that uh, because she already had it in mind that she wanted to enter the Carmel. But as a sideline on that, while this conversation was going on, their father turned to Therese and said, would you also like instruction in painting, which Therese would have wanted in the worst way. You know, for somebody who had no training in painting other than a certain amount that Celine showed her, she does pretty well. I mean, she's not a great painter, but with training probably could have become as good as Celine, perhaps. That's just a guess, but certainly better than she was. And she would have given anything for it. Her sister Marie, I mentioned earlier, could be blunt and sometimes didn't always see things well. And um, she just spoke up quickly before Therese could even answer and just said, no, she doesn't have the same talent as Celine. It would just be a waste of, uh, of time and, and resources to do that. And Therese didn't say anything. And she just bore it. You know, she, she didn't speak up for herself. So she never had the training in the painting that Celine had. And that was Therese. She simply bore it. But nonetheless, at this point, she is painting. 
in the Carmel. She never had tasks which would involve heavy physical expenditures of energy, you know, like heavy lifting and those kinds of things. She just wouldn't have had the health for that sort of thing. She did help with the hanging and those kinds of things. Office of Painting in which she excels without having had other lessons than those of seeing our Reverend Mother, her dear sister, at work. So Pauline, actually. Tall. Therese was, I've seen, 5'3", five, 5'4", five, but she was the tallest of the sisters. Tall and strong, with the appearance of a child, a tone of voice and expression hiding within her a wisdom, a perfection, a perspicacity of a 50-year-old. In fact, some of the sisters said that if it weren't for her age, they would have willingly seen her as prioress of the Carmel, just in terms of her maturity. Also, the fact that she was one of a group of four sisters, which was divisive within the community. That was not an easy thing for the remainder of the community to have this block of, of family members like this. Soul always calm and in perfect possession of itself in all things and with everybody. Little innocent thing to whom one would give God without confession. Uh, to receive communion, there'd be no need for confession. But one whose head is full of mischief to play on anyone she pleases. And these are the lines which are all often quoted. Mystic, comic, everything. She can make you weep with devotion and just as easily split your sides with laughter during our recreations. After a lunch and supper, there was a time when they would break silence and they would just sit together in the common space and they might be sewing or doing different things, but in free conversation uh, together. And uh, they would say, when Therese would not be there, they'd say, well, we are not going to laugh today. You know, uh, She was a mimic. She could split people's sides with laughter, with her imitations of people. For example, she imitated their guide on that pilgrimage in, in Italy, different things like that. Always kindly, you know, they always immediately say, never in a way that would cause pain to anyone. But she could do this so well that she'd have them all just splitting their sides with laughter. Puns, too. She, uh, we lose these in English. But in some of her sayings, she'll respond uh, lightning quick to something with a pun that once you uncover it and see what she's saying, you just laugh, you know. <laughs> Maybe we're spoiled by all the pictorial representations of her, all the pictures of her. But I have yet to see a picture of St. Therese smiling, a full a smile, teeth, laughing. They're always the very serious, very almost sedate nature of, of a picture of her. Well, there is one reason, at least, for that. And that is, if you look at the photographs, we're really blessed that Celine, when she entered, Celine was sort of into things like this, you know, painting and so on. And she also got into photography and was allowed to bring her camera into the Carmel, which is why we have the photographs of Therese that we have. But the way pictures were taken at the time, it was a nine-second exposure. So you will always see people very rigid and unmoving and their faces sort of immobile in all of these pictures. And that's why in none of them do you see the smile, which was the habitual expression on Therese's face as the, the various witnesses all, all testify. So that's at least one reason why we never see it. It's such a shame because it would be so lovely to be able to see that smile as it actually was. But we see Therese, but without her smile in all the photos. Yeah, I'm so happy you explained that because that's the one thing I, when I look at her images, I always think, why isn't she smiling? Well, it's but not now only, we know. It's not only Therese, but all of the other sisters, you'll see that as well. 
We'll return to the letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. This is Dr. Anthony Lillis and Chris McGregor, and we invite you to join us in a once-in-a-lifetime Discerning Hearts Trinitarian pilgrimage throughout the Holy Land. This will be a unique opportunity for contemplative prayer, spiritual teaching, and fellowship in one of the holiest areas on the earth, the places touched by the lives of Jesus, Mary, and the Apostles. During this time, we will also walk closely in the company of the prophet Elijah through the most miraculous moments in salvation history, our history, which would later become pages in the gospel. Along with Sister Magdalite Balduc of the Community of the Beatitudes, the community of the famous Father Jacques Philippe, we hope to lead you into a new encounter with the great mysteries of our faith and a renewal of your devotion to the Lord. Join us May 26th through June 2nd, 2020. Please visit discerninghearts.com for a full itinerary and learn more about the contemplative Discerning Hearts Trinitarian pilgrimage to the Holy Land. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness. You gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ, your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the Church. Father, Hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to the letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Okay, this next letter takes us um, along Therese's life uh, about two years further. Therese at this point is uh, 21 years old. And this is a letter she writes to a childhood playmate of hers who is of her same age, uh, also obviously 21 at this point, and who has been married for about a month. And Therese writes, they were not blood relations, but let's see if we can get this straight. Therese's aunt, Celine, 
had a sister who married a man named Modalonde. So she is now Madame Modalonde. So this is her aunt's sister. And her aunt's sister had five children, three of them girls. And they were close enough in age to Therese and her sisters and their cousins, Jean and Marie, that they often played together as, as children. In fact, Therese mentions this now 21-year-old woman also called Céline. So this is Céline Modalonde, who is just married and is now Madame Potier. A popular name in France. Obviously, <laughs> and certainly in this family. Right. So she is writing to her childhood playmate, Céline, just married a month, and obviously is going to speak about uh, her marriage with her. And she's replying to a letter from Céline. Your letter gave me real joy. I marvel at how the Blessed Virgin is pleased to answer all your desires. A very happy marriage. Even before your marriage, she willed that the soul to whom you were to be joined form only one with yours by means of an identity of feelings. What a grace for you to feel you are so well understood, and above all to know your union will be everlasting, so that after this life you will still be able to love the husband who is so dear to you, because they share the faith. And then lovely words, which I've quoted a good many times in different talks. They have passed away then for us both the blessed days of our childhood. We are now at the serious stage of life. I have embraced Carmelite life with my vows. You have embraced married life with your marriage vows. We are now at the serious stage of life. The road we are following is different. However, the goal is the same. Both of us must have only one same purpose, to sanctify ourselves in the way God has traced out for us. As the editors here note in a, in a footnote, just shortly before Therese died, about two months before she died, she asked her cousin, uh, Marie, who was at this time now in the Carmel, also a sister, to convey the following message to Celine. Tell her God is calling her to be a real saint in the world, and he has plans and a very special love for her. So we are following different vocations, different roads, but for both of us, the goal is the same. Both of us must have only one same purpose, to sanctify ourselves in the way God has traced out for us. All of us are included in that. To each of us, God has traced out a way. In my case, it's priesthood, uh, or it might be marriage for a person, a single condition, whatever it is. Different conditions, but all have the same goal, the same purpose, to become holy in the way that God has traced out for us. I feel, dear little friend, that I can speak freely to you. You understand the language of faith better than that of the world. And the Jesus of your first communion has remained the master of your heart. In him you love the beautiful soul who forms only one with yours. So your, the love between you and your husband is rooted in Jesus. It, it occurs to me that quite possibly she refers to Celine's first communion because they may have made the, their communion together even. And it is because of him that your love is so tender and strong. The same thing again. The, the greater the love of Jesus in our hearts, the greater the love, in this case, in a marriage. Oh, how beautiful is our religion. I wish our whole culture knew these words. Oh, how beautiful is our religion. Instead of contracting hearts, as the world believes, it raises them up 
and renders them capable of loving, or loving with a love almost infinite, since this love must continue after this mortal life which is given to us, only for meriting the homeland of heaven, where we shall again find the dear ones whom we have loved on earth. It's really worth noting in this last little paragraph that I've read from this letter of Therese to her childhood friend Celine, now married, that Therese affirms very clearly that perspective that the world often has on religion is, is exactly the contrary of what is, what is uh, really true. So Therese says, how beautiful is our religion. Instead of contracting hearts, as the world believes, it raises them up and renders them capable of loving, or loving with a love almost infinite. Because as she goes on to say, this love will not end with death, it will go on into eternity. Which is to say, then, that the closer we get to our life of faith, the more deeply we live our relationship with God, the more capacity we're going to have to love those whom God has placed in our lives. Interesting that Therese says this to Celine, who is now married just about a month. I have asked for you, dear Celine, from Our Lady of Mount Carmel. This uh, letter is written on uh, July 16, the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Of the grace you have obtained at Lourdes, how happy I am that you are clothed in the holy scapular. And actually, Marie Guerin, who was the first cousin of Celine, Maud had given her the scapular and asked her to wear it. And quoting from Marie's letter to her, Wear the scapular of Mount Carmel. It will be a great joy for me, and we shall be united by still greater spiritual bonds. Marie is a Carmelite. And so to, to think that her cousin, now married, is wearing the scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel creates another bond. And Therese is very happy, too, to know that her friend is now wearing that scapular. It is a sure sign of predestination. And besides, are you not more intimately united by means of it to your little sisters in Carmel? You ask, dear little cousin, that I pray for your dear husband. Do you think, then, that I could fail in this? No, I could not separate you in my weak prayers. I am asking our Lord to be as generous in your regard as he was formerly to the spouses at the wedding of Cana. May he always change water into wine, and she explains. That is to say, may he continue to make you happy and soften as much as possible the trials you encounter in life. So here, as so often, you see in Therese, just as she's writing from her heart, Scripture. It's just so natural. I think of something similar was said of St. Bernard that uh, if you read his writings, uh, they are all uh, woven, interwoven with scripture because he knew it so profoundly. And you see this in Therese as well. So may he change water into wine, soften your trials. Trials, how could I place this word in my letter when I know everything is happiness for you? One month married. Pardon me, dear little friend. Enjoy in peace the joy God is giving you without disturbing yourself regarding the future. He is reserving for you, I am sure, new graces and many consolations. Therese, at this point, has many trials in her own life, so this is not something that... Um, she, she lives very aware that life will have its trials, but then uh, immediately uh, recognizes she's writing to a woman one year married, this one, one month married, this is not the time to speak of such things. 
Our good mother Marie de Gonzague, the prioress, is very appreciative of your kind remembrance of her, and she herself is not forgetting her dear little Celine. Our mother and Sister Marie of the Sacred Heart, now our mother at this point, Therese Sister Pauline, has been elected prioress. And uh, so Pauline and Marie are also very happy because of your joy, and they ask me to assure you of their affection. You know, you just get a sense in this. This is very daily, very ordinary matter. You know, here is a woman writing a letter of congratulations to a childhood friend on the occasion of her marriage. But it's all filled with so much faith. And again, as we've said so many times, you can see how utterly other-centered this letter is. Her heart is simply open to the situation of her childhood friend and rejoicing with her in that. I dare dear little cousin. Now, she calls Celine her cousin. They were not related by blood. As I mentioned before, Celine was the daughter of the sister of Therese's aunt. But because they had, it was actually a remark Pauline made when she was a young child, and Zélie recounts this in one of her letters to her sister-in-law, that Pauline had said, well, if we are cousins with Marie and Jean, that is their aunt's uh, two daughters, and if they are cousins to the Madelones, well, then we're cousins to the Madelones too. And since that time, they referred to each other as cousins. It reminds me of that passage in Scripture sometimes where it talks about the cousins, and sometimes it's translated brothers and sisters, and yet is a term that expresses the overflowing of an extended family, that their relationship of love, actually, that extends between the families. That's really what it's portraying here, mm -hmm. very much. So, I dare, dear little cousin, to beg you to offer my respectful regards to Monsieur Potier, that is her new husband, whom I cannot refrain from considering also as my cousin. I leave you, dear Celine, remaining always united to you in my heart, and I shall throughout my life be happy to call myself, and then she signs your little sister in Jesus, Therese of the Child Jesus. You've been listening to The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with thousands of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher.